Chapter 14 of The Story of My Life and Work. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Story of My Life and Work by Booker T. Washington. The Shaw Monument Speech, The Visit of Secretary James Wilson, and The Letter to the Louisiana Convention. Part One. In the spring of 1897, I received a letter from Honorable Edward Atkinson of Boston inviting me to deliver an address at the dedication of the Robert Gould Shaw Monument in Boston. I take it for granted that my readers already know all about the history and achievements of Robert Gould Shaw. The monument dedicated to his memory stands on the historic Boston Common, facing Beacon Street, and is said to be the most perfect piece of art of the kind in this country. The meeting in connection with the dedicatory exercises was held in Music Hall, Boston, which was packed from bottom to top with perhaps one of the most distinguished audiences that has ever assembled in Boston. In fact, there was a larger number of the old anti-slavery element present than will perhaps ever assemble again in this country. Honorable Roger Walcott, Governor of Massachusetts, was the presiding officer. On the platform were the Mayor of Boston, the Lieutenant Governor, members of the Governor's Council, and of the City Government of Boston, besides hundreds of other distinguished persons as to the impression made by this address i shall let an editorial which appeared in the boston transcript the next day together with a few other newspaper accounts tell the story i spoke as follows mr chairman and fellow citizens in this presence and on this sacred and memorable day in the deeds and death of our hero we recall the old old story ever old yet ever new that when it was the will of the father to lift humanity out of wretchedness and bondage the precious task was delegated to him who among ten thousand was altogether lovely and was willing to make himself of no reputation that he might save and lift up others if that heart could throb and those lips could speak what would be the sentiment and words that robert gould shaw would have us feel and speak at this hour he would not have us to dwell long on the mistakes the injustice the criticisms of the days of storm and cloud of doubt and fears across the eternal sky must lower before the glorious noon appears he would have us bind up with his own undying fame and memory and retain by the side of his monument the name of john a andrew who with prophetic vision and strong arm helped to make the existence of the fifty-fourth regiment possible and that of george l stearns who with hidden generosity and a great sweet heart helped to turn the darkest hour into day and in doing so freely gave service fortune and life itself to the cause which this day commemorates nor would he have us forget those brother officers living and dead who by their baptism in blood and fire in defence of union and freedom 
gave us an example of the highest and purest patriotism to you who fought so valiantly in the ranks the scarred and scattered remnant of the fifty-fourth regiment who with empty sleeve and wanting leg have honored this occasion with your presence to you your commander is not dead though boston erected no monument and history recorded no story in you and the loyal race you represent robert gould shaw would have a monument which time could not wear away but an occasion like this is too great too sacred for mere individual eulogy the individual is the instrument national virtue the end that which was three hundred years being woven into the warp and woof of our democratic institutions could not be effaced by a single battle as magnificent as was that battle that which for three centuries had bound master and slave yea north and south to a body of death could not be blotted out by four years of war could not be atoned for by shot and sword nor by blood and tears not many days ago in the heart of the south in a large gathering of the people of my race there were heard from many lips praises and thanksgiving to god for his goodness in setting them free from physical slavery in the midst of that assembly a southern white man arose with gray hair and trembling hands the former owner of many slaves and from his quivering lips there came the words my friends you forget in your rejoicing that in setting you free god was also good to me and my race in setting us free but there is a higher and deeper sense in which both races must be free than that represented by the bill of sale the black man who cannot let love and sympathy go out to the white man is but half free the white man who would close the shop or factory against a black man seeking an opportunity to earn an honest living is but half free the white man who retards his own development by opposing a black man is but half free the full measure of the fruit of fort wagner and all that this monument stands for will not be realized until every man covered with a black skin shall by patient and natural effort grow to that height in industry property intelligence and moral responsibility where no man in all our land will be tempted to degrade himself by withholding from his black brother any opportunity which he himself would possess until that time comes this monument will stand for effort not victory complete what these heroic souls of the fifty-fourth regiment began we must complete it must be completed not in malice nor in narrowness not in artificial progress nor in efforts at mere temporary political gain nor in abuse of another section or race standing as i do to-day in the home of garrison and phillips and sumner my heart goes out to those who wore the gray as well as to those clothed in the blue to those who returned defeated to destitute homes to face blasted hopes and a shattered political and industrial system
to them there can be no prouder reward for defeat than by a supreme effort to place the negro on that footing where he will add material intellectual and civil strength to every department of the state this work must be completed in the public school industrial school and college the most of it must be completed in the effort of the negro himself in his effort to withstand temptation to economize to exercise thrift to disregard the superficial for the real the shadow for the substance to be great and yet small in his effort to be patient in the laying of a firm foundation to grow so strong in skill and knowledge that he shall place his service in demand by reason of his intrinsic and superior worth all this makes the key that unlocks every door of opportunity and all others fail in this battle of peace the rich and poor the black and white may have a part what lessons has this occasion for the future what of hope what of encouragement what of caution watchmen tell us of the night what the signs of promise are if through me an humble representative nearly ten millions of my people might be permitted to send a message to massachusetts to the survivors of the fifty fourth regiment to the committee whose untiring energy has made this memorial possible to the family who gave their only boy that we might have life more abundantly that message would be tell them that the sacrifice was not in vain that up from the depth of ignorance and poverty we are coming and if we come through oppression out of the struggle we are gaining strength by the way of the school the well-cultivated field the skilled hand the christian home we are coming up that we propose to invite all who will to step up and occupy this position with us tell them that we are learning that standing ground for a race as for an individual must be laid in intelligence industry thrift and property not as an end but as a means to the highest privileges that we are learning that neither the conqueror's bullet nor the fiat of law could make an ignorant voter an intelligent voter could make a dependent man an independent man could give one citizen respect for another a bank account nor a foot of land nor an enlightened fireside tell them that as grateful as we are to artist and patriotism for placing the figures of shaw and his comrades in physical form of beauty and magnificence that after all the real monument the greater monument is being slowly but safely builded among the lowly in the south in the struggles and sacrifices of a race to justify all that has been done and suffered for it one of the wishes that lay nearest colonel shaw's heart was that his black troops might be permitted to fight by the side of the white soldiers have we not lived to see that wish realized and will it not be more so in the future not at wagner not with rifle and bayonet but on the field of peace in the battle of industry in the struggle for good government 
in the lifting up of the lowest to the fullest opportunities. In this we shall fight by the side of the white man, north and south. And if this be true, as under God's guidance it will, that old flag, that emblem of progress and security, which brave Sergeant Kearney never permitted to fall upon the ground, will still be borne aloft by southern soldier and northern soldier. And, in a more potent and higher sense, we shall all realize that the slave's chain and the master's alike broken, the one curse of the race held both in tether. They are rising. All are rising, the black and the white together. From the Boston Evening Transcript of June 1st, the following is taken. The corps and colonel of yesterday's great noon meeting in honor of the Brotherhood of Man in Music Hall was the superb address of the Negro president of Tuskegee. Booker T. Washington received his Harvard A.M. last June, the first of his race, said Governor Walcott, to receive an honorary degree from the oldest university in this country, and this for the wise leadership of his people. And when Mr. Washington rose up in the flag-filled, enthusiasm-warmed, patriotic and glowing atmosphere of music hall, people felt keenly that here was the civic justification of the old abolition spirit of Massachusetts. In his person, the proof of her ancient and indomitable faith. In his strong thought and rich oratory, the crown and glory of the old war days of suffering and strife. The scene was full of historic beauty and a deep significance. Cold Boston was alive with the fire that is always hot in her heart for righteousness and truth. Rows and rows of people who are seldom seen at any public function. Whole families of those who are certain to be out of town on a holiday crowded the place to overflowing. The city was at her birthright fete in the persons of hundreds of her best citizens, men and women whose lives and names stand for the virtues that make for honorable civic pride. Battle music had filled the air. Ovation after ovation, applause warm and prolonged, had greeted the officers and friends of Colonel Shaw, the sculptor, St. Gaudin, the memorial committee, the governor and his staff and the Negro soldiers of the 54th Massachusetts, as they came upon the platform or entered the hall. Chief Marshal Appleton and Mr. Chaplain Hall had performed their duties. Colonel Henry Lee of Governor Andrews' old staff had made the noble, simple presentation speech for the committee, paying tribute to the chairman, Mr. John M. Forbes, in whose stead he served. Governor Walcott had made his short, memorable speech, saying, Fort Wagner marked an epoch in the history of a race and called it into manhood. Mayor Quincy had received the monument for the city of Boston in eloquent words. Professor James, brother of Adjutant James, who fell at Fort Wagner, wounded but not killed, had told the story of Colonel Shaw and his black regiment in gallant words. He got at the soul of the day's meaning when he said that the battle instinct is strong enough in the race, bred in our bone and blood. But what is needed is that lonely kind of valor, civic courage we call it in time of peace, 
which blesses a nation with a continued saying and whose inner mystery the precious virtue of civil genius is preserved in perfect good temper and in power of righteous wrath and then after the singing of mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the lord booker washington arose it was of course just the moment for him the multitude shaken out of its usual symphony concert calm quivered with an excitement that was not suppressed a dozen times it had sprung to its feet to cheer and wave and hurrah as one person when this man of culture and voice and power as well as dark skin began with the biblical poetic touch in his first words and quickly uttered the names of andrew and of sterns feeling began to mount you could see tears glisten in the eyes of the soldiers and civilians on the platform when the orator turned to the colored soldiers on the platform to the color-bearer of fort wagner who smiling bore still the flag he never lowered even when wounded and said to you to the scarred and scattered remnants of the fifty-fourth who with empty sleeve and wanting leg have honored this occasion with your presence to you your commander is not dead though boston erected no monument and history recorded no story in you and the loyal race you represent robert gould shaw would have a monument which time could not wear away then came the climax of the emotion of the day and the hour it was roger walcott as well as the governor of massachusetts the individual representative of the people's sympathy as well as the chief magistrate who had sprung first to his feet and cried three cheers to booker t washington one incident however i note that the newspapers do not describe fully most of my readers will perhaps know that sergeant william h kearney of new bedford massachusetts was the brave colored officer who at the battle of fort wagner was the color bearer and held on to the american flag notwithstanding the fact that a large proportion of his regiment was slain he escaped in some miraculous manner and exclaimed after the battle was over the old flag never touched the ground before i made this address i had never met sergeant kearney sergeant kearney however together with a remnant of the fifty fourth massachusetts regiment was present on a front seat and he held in his hand the same flag which he had held on to safely during the battle of fort wagner when i turned to address the colored regiment and referred to sergeant kearney he rose as if by instinct with the flag in his hands it has been my privilege to witness a good many satisfactory and rather sensational demonstrations in connection with several of my public addresses but in dramatic effect i have never seen nor experienced anything that equaled the impression made on the audience when sergeant kearney arose for a good many minutes the audience seemed to entirely lose control of itself and patriotic feeling was at a high pitch End of chapter 14 Recording by Linda Johnson